everyone, and welcome to the Ladies of Kamikaze podcast. Before we start, we're going to do our usual thing where we go around and we introduce ourselves. So I am Valerie. I am Sarah, Cartoon Sarah on the blog. Erin, the Red Menace on the blog. Elise. I'm Fuebe, the guest. (laughs) (laughs) Potentially firm, the guest. So this month, we had such a good time at our previous podcast about books that we read as children that scared us that we decided it would be fun to talk about other books and media that we won't say necessarily traumatize us as children, but left a very lasting impression. So who wants to start us off by talking about something that still haunts them to this day? I don't know if it haunts me to this day, but it was definitely an impactful thing. When I was maybe six or seven, I was flipping around the TV channels and came across Jaws 3, which arguably as a movie, as a Jaws movie, is not that good. I think I hit caught it right after the shark attack or right towards the end of it, where there's an arm left floating in the water. And I was like, oh my god! And then I think I still watched it because that's a thing that I would do. And there's another scene where the aquarium has these glass tubes that people can walk in and through. And aquariums have those now. Yes, for real. But Jaws busts through the glass. Most aquariums that have them now do not have a giant great white shark that has been known to eat That you know of. (laughs) Not that I've noticed. At the time, I don't remember it terrifying me, but it had a lasting impression that I think my mind built on and later terrified me. And then if you couple it, this is actually so stupid and embarrassing. If you've ever seen the Huey Lewis in the news video, this is it. At the end of the video, there's a shark fin in the sand going around on the beach. And so I'm six or seven. I knew that there was a thing called sand sharks. And then I saw the fin in the sand. And so I thought that sharks could be in the sand. And then in the middle of the night, when you're a little kid, I thought that sharks could be in the carpet. (laughs) And so I was terrified, terrified at night that there were sharks in the carpet. And then I'd look down and see the shark fin, terrified to the point of, I couldn't even call out. I was so terrified as a kid that I lost my voice. I couldn't even call out to my parents to be like, I'm scared. So your monster under the bed was Was sharks. Sharks. Carpet sharks. Carpet sharks. Yeah. Wow. And how do you feel about sharks now? Now I like them. (laughs) Mostly. (laughs) You've met a couple sharks. (laughs) Yeah. Over the years, it turns out they're pretty nice. But actually, that impact never really left me because one time we went to an aquarium and I had a glass floor over a shark tank. Yeah. And I went to walk across the glass floor just as a shark swam under. And I leapt off that floor, man. And then I was so incredibly embarrassed. All of a sudden, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. I am a grown-ass woman. (laughs) I can walk across a floor. But that thing just stayed. Not to mention liability reasons. If there was any way that that shark could get you no it was it was that. a glass floor the sharks are way down below like there was just no i think there was I remember no it. way I think that's the whole point of this topic and we'll get to everybody else's and i think some of them have more weight than others but part of the point is that the fear becomes irrational yeah. whether it starts oh, with yeah. something sort of rational like sharks are scary but then it becomes in your child mind this 
ridiculous thing that just can't happen. Like they're swimming in your carpet under your bed waiting to chomp you. Whereas all of the things that I was afraid of as a kid were actual monsters. Things from either scary stories or movies that I had seen. So fictional things. Completely fictional things. But they scared me a lot. Like what? Well, there are several examples. I think the one that actually carries through to this day a little bit was my dad had a copy of Skeleton Crew, the Stephen King book. It's a book of short stories. Elise knows where I'm going. There is a cover with this horrifying wind-up monkey Mm. with the symbol. Oh my god, yes! Never a good idea. So he had this book, so that came out in 85. So this is probably 86. I was nine and I read the stories. Because Mm. I was curious. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being really scared about the stupid monkey story. The plot is that this kid finds a toy monkey and it murders everyone he knows. So he hides it and then his kids find it later. Basically the plot of most (laughs) horror symbol monkey stories. Tiny and a little bit with the monkey's paw idea, right? Right. Like like the thing I've never heard a horror story with a symbol monkey in it that wasn't essentially the symbol monkey clashes its symbols and somebody dies. So I don't really have a fear of wind-up toys, but I don't really like monkeys to this day. I think they're creepy. They're a little too much like humans, but not enough (laughs) like humans. I really don't like when people put clothes on them. That is one that really stuck with me. I've got lots of others, but everything else I kind of got over. Uh But that one, I'm just like, yeah, still. And it's true. Much like when you see Chekhov's gun, if there's a symbol monkey in a story, someone is dead by the end of the story. I don't know at what point they were this pleasant, happy childhood thing, but I think that ended a long, long time ago because I don't think I've ever seen them presented as anything but horrifying. I think if you look back at a lot of stuff from ye olden times, though, and how things were built, if you look at pictures of the Easter Bunny from the 30s, they're super scary. Mm -hmm. I just think that this was the best you had and it wasn't as terrifying, whereas now... Monkeys weren't scary. Well, Remember the adorable organ grinders? Uh. Yeah, adorable. Adorable. Like a cat on That's subjective. Yeah. Fun fact, my mom got one of those to come for my birthday party when I was a little kid. And I got to hold a monkey who was dressed in clothes. So, what have I learned from this? My childhood birthday party was Aaron's nightmare. Yes. My <laughs> delightful childhood memory is Aaron's childhood nightmare. It's actually a very pleasant memory. I got to hold a monkey. Yeah, I don't want that thing touching me. It's not like a skin toy, which I think was part of what's creepy about those things, is that with the material they're made out of, they look like taxidermied animals because the materials might actually be skin. So I think that adds a whole level of what was wrong with us that we made these skin toys and then gave them to children under the idea that this is something joyous. Right. And it's usually in the eyes that gets me. Yeah. That are the most creepy. It's before we had computer animation and got through the Uncanny Valley there. That's where it gets it for me is they have these shiny, dead mm-hmm. eyes. Well, and the cover of Skeleton Crew plays that up significantly. We should link it. 
in the related blogs of this podcast so everyone can see how traumatic this was. But I feel like other people had things that they were scared of that were maybe a little less ridiculous than mine. I was scared of sharks in the carpet. I didn't say you were one of them. I feel like you're probably bringing it to a place that's a little more reasonable. Well, one thing that that reminds me of is in The Wiz, there's some freaky elements. But in particular, the thing that frightened me that was both ridiculous and mundane was the trash cans. Hmm. There's a scene where Michael Jackson and some of the other characters are running around in the subway. And the subway is weirdly clean. And there (laughs) are these trash cans that grab the scarecrow, Michael Jackson, by the arms. And they're about to rip him apart. Or I think maybe they're sucking him in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was never actually afraid of the trash cans. But there's something about the space that they created. The dimness, but it was also really shiny. And there's nobody around, mm. and then it was just like clap, 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 clap. Cans moving closer, closer, closer. The Wiz has a lot of stuff <laughs> that you watch it through the holes in the blanket. Yes. Well, I the didn't source, make, the I source material is also creepy. Also right. super scary, right? Yeah. We back to monkeys, but the flying monkeys scare right. a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. But then the books are even weirder. The original bomb stories are. Very strange. Yes, for some reason, the movie leaves out the half-bear, half-tiger monsters, which I'm assuming is because the effects of the time weren't mm-hmm. really up to it, or because they're kind of superfluous to the plot. But I like that idea of it's not the monster itself that's scary, but it's the whole atmosphere right, the that situation. the monster brings that's terrifying. I mean, I've never been in the New York subway and been like, oh, that trash can is really... looking at me a little I I don't think I made it through that movie until I was an adult. Mm. So you probably don't remember the underwear scene, but that's a whole different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) There were so many times where I'd be like, okay, this time I made it to... Michael Jackson and the Crows. And then this time I made it to the oil can guy. Because it was so (laughs) terrifying in so many ways. The leather masks that they wear. We could spend an entire podcast (laughs) talking about the Wiz. But even how intentional a lot of that imagery Mm -hmm. is. Speaking of intentional imagery, you guys all have things that were more pop culture-y that stuck with you, that make you remember them as a kid. And for me, it was less pop culture as a child as it was influenced me as a kid and is now my favorite kind of pop culture Hmm. so when i was a kid at least my father he is very into renaissance art and renaissance art has a lot of religious idolatry and saints and blood and i remember that on our coffee table we had this book that had detailed pictures of the sistine chapel and essentially an entire wall that is we the final so judgment. Italian. I know, right? <laughs> we are we just dive right into that. And I think for a while my parents were just like, wow, Valerie is really into art. No. <laughs> we'll also have to link it. But we're talking one side of the wall of people who are getting saved during the final judgment, and the other side of the wall are people who are being damned. Mm. So we're talking about flayed bodies and this grotesque imagery. And I am a child 
looking at this stuff because it is art and it is part of our culture. And we went on trips. And whenever we went on a trip, we would go to a church or a cathedral. And here's a dead saint who never rotted. Catholicism <laughs> is full of gruesome imagery. Right. Here's pieces of a guy. Yeah. It causes miracles. Just right. Finger. Just, right. Just, finger. Just some right. finger bones. <laughs> it's like, yeah. these roses never grew thorns because a saint decided to martyr herself or himself. I can't remember the story. By rolling around mm. in the bushes. Until they bled to death. <laughs> I remember we saw those rose bushes. Wow. It stuck with me so much that nowadays if you want to get me into any kind of genre or a movie or a book, all you got to do is say, Valerie, angels and demons are totally duking it out on earth and it's the end of times. And I'm like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Supernatural. Buffy, Good Omens, poof, blew my mind. It was like the greatest book ever. American Gods, love it. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Feel free to chime in and try to figure out well, what it is about it. <laughs> I don't know if this says something about you and I, but it is. It's like that thing that I was so afraid of as a kid. Now I love sharks and Shark Week and I love Jaws, mm-hmm. the first one. I love the Omen. Like, it was like... <laughs> And maybe it's that little bit of some people like to be scared. I know I'm one of those people. Mm-hmm. I like things that make me feel unsettled, which, again, says a lot, I'm sure, about a person. I think there's also a little bit of... I'll use this as an example because I think this is one of the most horrifying movies, is The Exorcist. Because, once again, growing up, my best friend was Irish Catholic... And when I first saw that movie with her in her basement without her parents knowing, she presented it to me as this is fact. Right? (laughs) So this was a documentary about an actual exorcism or at least a retelling of something that happened. And when you're brought up with access to this imagery, Mm. it kind of hits this nerve where there's a part of you that's like, nah, well. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe. 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 Your friend pulls out their Ouija board and you're like, flip the table. No. <laughs> what do you think of nuts? <laughs> to this day, even though as I've gotten older, my views of religion have changed, there's still this little part of me that every now and then when I'm faced with something that's really scary or potentially like threatening to me, there is always this little part of me that goes back to this sort of supernatural belief system. It's an interesting thing about me because even though logically I'm like, eh, me and my faith don't really see eye to eye, I'll be damned if I don't watch some of that stuff and I'm like, they still have exorcists. Mm. <laughs> I do still have exorcists. I think that's the other thing. That particular one, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance around. There's a lot of gravitas to this idea of a war between heaven and hell. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's very dramatic. And I think that's part of the appeal. You're battling for your soul. What's more dangerous and exciting yeah, than that? You have instant stakes if it's the fate of the entire world or the souls of all humanity. Right. Or sometimes even just one soul. Right. Seem and like huge stakes. And then if we dive real deep and when I realized that Supernatural actually was going to follow that not all angels were on the same level, that we do have the various different angels who have different jobs, I was like, yes! <laughs> I could read that stuff forever, forever. But it doesn't mean that it wasn't terrifying to me as a kid. Or just complex. 
I remember as a kid, we would go to church and there is a crucifix up on the wall. And it wasn't like some churches that just have a cross. We had an emaciated, Mm -hmm. bloody Jesus. And you stare at that for hours. So did we. (laughs) You had a lot of time with the bloody Jesus. Yeah, a lot of quality time staring at bloody Jesus. And that stuff stays. It's dangerous and thrilling and sometimes oddly comforting. I mean, it's known, right? I mean, it's the known textures of your life. Yeah. I can definitely see that. The thing that I'm thinking about as I'm listening is it gives me a little bit of a different insight into the whole train track thing. Because for mine, I can't even confirm what I saw (laughs) that had these train tracks. Was it breaking? Which I went and I looked up the description of the movie. There's no mention of train tracks in that movie. So wait, let's back up a little bit. And so what is it about train tracks? Uh, Just crossing them specifically. I have all of this texture of my childhood in my head of what it was to cross train tracks Mm -hmm. and the danger, the potential of getting hit or of not knowing that the train is coming. How would you not know the train is coming? It's very loud. Did you see Stand By Me? I didn't. Which is why that. Yeah. And I know the track in that, but I never saw that one. I knew about it, but I don't know. I didn't come across it really. So I really don't know. But I do remember my brother and my father saying to me as a kid, there's no train. You can just cross the track. There's nothing here, you know? But that still was really solidly in my head. So I remember being a kid and having to walk across and then being like, come on. <laughs> but I'm, I'm thinking, train is barreling down. But somehow sneaking up on you. But somehow sneaking up at the same time. And then there weren't a lot, I mean, people would get hit from time to time, but it wasn't that often. And I didn't ever hear about it. I just knew that it was a thing that could happen. But my fear was outsized. In comparison, particularly if I think about the movies I thought it was in, which was Breaking, which was a silly movie about breakdancing. Yeah. And I was watching the trailer, and it's actually about this white girl coming in and learning to breakdance. I completely blocked her. Come on. Wait a minute. Come on. I had no memory of her at all. And it's silly. There's a kid who falls down the stair. It's just nonsense. And then I was like, well, maybe it was Boys in the Hood, which I also didn't see. But I would listen to the movies through the door in my bedroom. Mm. I'd be like, oh, that's the sound of the train, you know? <laughs> right, nobody necessarily got hit by one, but in your head. It could have been a train that passed behind someone unseen. I don't know. I'll never know. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but kid head is like, well, I'm taking these little details and I'm putting them together. And then you have the whole, I was saying, the whole texture of the experience, even without any legitimate experience in the experience. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that whole... It's not a theory, because it's true. What you don't see mm-hmm. is what's the scariest. Almost as an example, and I know that this is going to hit a chord with some people, is for me, the things that I didn't see as a kid that I was so sure was the scariest thing in the world was Pee Wee Herman's Great Adventure. <laughs> Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Big Adventure. Pee-wee's oh my gosh. <laughs> so for years, I had seen all of the movie minus one particular 30 second <laughs> clip. Because it had been built up in my head so much that this was the scariest thing in the world. Does anyone know what I'm yes, talking about? Yes, yes. Okay, it's me, it's me, it's me. So, actually, this segues nicely from what you were just talking about, Foybe, in that the way that I saw the large Marge scene in Peavy's Big Adventure was I'd gotten up to use the bathroom. Oh, man. <laughs> and in our very small house that I grew up in, the bathroom is right next to the living room, which is where the TV was. And my father was watching this movie. And I stopped in the doorway to look. And the scene, for those who haven't seen it, is Peavy is hitchhiking mm-hmm. in the dark. 
and he gets picked up by this truck driver and she tells him a ghost story and then at the end of the ghost story she turns to him and she makes this face and it's just this stupid claymation bug-eyed face but it's the middle of the night i was a kid who was afraid of pretty much everything including monkeys anyway and it <laughs> scared <laughs> it scared me beyond belief it was just really terrifying and so similarly for a long time in my head, I actually thought that face was a lot more gruesome. Yes, exactly. The way I remembered it was all these bugs and worms coming out of it. No, it's literally just these big Popeyes, yeah. this big claymation Popeye face. And years later, I told that story to a co-worker who kindly printed out a picture of that face. And it just says, tell them large, large. <laughs> <laughs> It is still hanging in my office to this day. <laughs> I remember when I finally was like, you know what? We're just going to rip off that band-aid. And I was probably double digits age. Right. Like Now then. way too old to be terrified. Right, exactly. And I finally saw it. And let's just say that Elise <laughs> and also my cousin, the two who had built it up in my... It's a good thing they weren't around because I was so annoyed. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? But it was actually more thrilling, I think, being afraid to make sure that for those 30 seconds that I wasn't in the room and that my eyes were covered or whatever. I mean, now it's kind of cute and funny. What's creepy about it, and it's important to remember the movie is directed by Tim Burton. Yeah. Is, is the ghost story before it. Right. right? It's, the build up. it's the build up. atmosphere before the little jump scare. And I assume that the sound changes. When you were just describing it, I was thinking in my head, oh, isn't there like a pause, a silence? And then the face turns. And yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly She's like, she, when they pulled the body from the twisted burning wreck, it looked like this. Yes. Yeah. Boof. <laughs> Cue to me, rewinding it. Watching it again. Rewinding it. Right, right. Watching it again. Right. By the time right. I saw it, our VHS was fine, 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 fine. That little scene got a little extra grainy right there. <laughs> it's interesting to me that you saw it without any context because I rewatched the Large Marge sequence on YouTube just to get a sense of it again. And it's so weirdly out of context with the rest of the movie that I had wondered if that was it. Mm. That you know, the rest of the movie is so largely bright and happy and very kid friendly, even. Mm. And just say it was a perfect yeah. storm to make it yeah. really scary. And for then a there's movie this one isn't. really dark, scary scene with this aspect of hitchhiking. I would argue there's the other dark scenes. Well, and it's the reverse ghost hitchhiker story. The ghost is the yes. one picking you up. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Normally in that Instead story, of picking up the you ghost. pick up yeah. the ghost. Oh, right. <laughs> so I was so scared of monsters, and I didn't want to look at them, but I wanted to think about them a lot. See? Because being scared is kind of fun. <laughs> no, I hate being scared. <laughs> I disagree. I absolutely don't enjoy you. that feeling. I don't love it. No, it was to understand them <laughs> so that I wouldn't be scared of them anymore. I needed to explore what it was about them. So one of my favorite books when I was a kid was this book my grandmother had called The Creature Catalog. And it was just descriptions of different mm-hmm. monsters. So some of them were classic monsters and some of them were like the Triffids from Day of the Triffids. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. So I just developed an encyclopedic knowledge of monsters. I think that is one of the common reasons, aside from you kind of like being scared for revisiting that is to try to conquer and understand that fear. Mm -hmm. I was talking with a friend of mine about doing this podcast, and he 
mentioned seeing Hellraiser at probably too young of an age. <laughs> and this is a little bit different, but the way he approached it was, even though this is scary, I'm going to watch this thing all the way through, because up until that point, his experience with movies was it's going to have a good ending. <laughs> Everything's going to be okay <laughs> by the end. Resolved. So once I get to the end of it, I won't be scared of it anymore. Oops. And Oh, yeah. sweet summer child. <laughs> yeah, it didn't turn out that way. But I can see the logic there, and it is kind of similar. If I can get through this, if I can expose myself to this enough, if I can get to the point, it won't be scary anymore. And so what was the thing that scared you, Sarah? Mine is pretty common from what I've heard from talking with other people, and it's the 1978 animated movie version of Watership Down. I yeah. did not see it in theaters. I don't even know if it had a theatrical release in the U.S. It did. Did it? Because when I talked to Bob, he was saying that it was the only movie his mother dropped him off to as a child oh, to that's see a by great... himself. <laughs> oh, no! Because <laughs> I think she knew it was a cartoon. It was about bunnies. See, I can't blame her. Right. <laughs> in most cases, you feel like, oh, you really can't blame the parents because it's an animated movie about rabbits. The thing was, when I saw it, it had been out for a while it was out on video and my mother had read the book so i oh no i kind of, was eight and seven yeah it's possible that she had forgotten how dark the book got in places mm -hmm. or just thought maybe that the animated movie adaptation was going to be a lot softer and gentler mm. but it was not it was really really not this is a very scary animated film. There is violence in it. There is death. The one scene that to this day can make me feel at least unsettled is the basic plot of both book and movie is one small group of rabbits from a warren leaves the warren because one of them has this premonition that something horrible is going to happen. Well, later they run into one of the rabbits who stayed behind at the warren and he tells them, Oh yes, something horrible did happen. Humans came, they filled in the holes, we were stuck inside and couldn't get out. The corridors were all clogged with dead bodies. I swear that is pretty close to a line from the movie. And the visuals are terrifying. They don't skimp. They make this very clearly horrific. I remember it as being a week of insomnia and fear of going in the basement and very general anxiety. I may be building that up in my head. It's been over 30 years since I first saw the movie, but it was terrifying to me. It was a very, very upsetting experience. It came out during a time period where there was this little period in the 70s where they were making all these animated films for adults. Mm. So, oh gosh, what is that one called? Is it Wizards or something like that? Mm, uh, yes. Yeah. That's how I had well, always... stuff. Yeah. So I had always had it grouped in with those sort of movies. So I didn't actually see it until I was a teenager. When I saw it as a teenager, I was like, this is terrifying. Horrible. But... So as I've gotten more familiar with both the backstory of the movie and the book in my adulthood, it seems like the movie is sort of in the same position as the book in that it doesn't comfortably fit into a strictly adult or strictly for children category. An introduction to the book that I read basically said that exact thing, that the publishers were kind of 
wary of it because, well, it's a story about rabbits and that generally means it's for small children and older kids and adults aren't going to be interested in it, but it's also this very serious and at times violent thing and that kills the audience for small children's. So it, it is popular enough to have a movie made. So. Well, it has Simon and Garfunkel music. Oh, does it? Yeah. It's a beautiful that. work in terms of once we get over sort of the horribleness of the story and what the rabbits go through, you know, it shows them fighting and there's blood and ripping of flesh. We're talking about very mm-hmm. much in the grain of those other movies from that time. It's really this hidden gem of animation. Not to feel like it's not traumatizing because it is but i had read the book loved the book once again as a teenager and then saw the movie and was like this is i was around nine or ten when i saw it for the first time and i was a pretty sensitive kid in general so for some nine or ten year olds i'm sure it would be fine i've heard of kids younger than that having seen it and they were like we loved it so it definitely is something that depends on the kid as i think all of these are i'm sure there were Kids who thought Large Marge was the greatest thing that ever happened. And Large Marge cinema. was the greatest thing that ever happened. <laughs> That's fair. I didn't revisit it until I was in college, and by that time I was studying animation, and I made my peace with it, which I think was a good thing to do, and part of the reason I suggested this topic is because I do think it is usually worthwhile if something really unsettled and upset you as a child to go back and revisit it and have that experience of making your peace with it and seeing maybe it's not that bad or seeing it as something that is effective artistically, which is how I feel about Watership Down now. I'm going to go out and say that Jaws 3 was not effective artistically. No. (laughs) (laughs) Mine, I didn't even need to rewatch them to make my peace with it. At a certain point, you just realize that, again, because I was afraid of things that just were straight up not. You know, sharks are at least real. Trains can kill people. <laughs> yeah. The rabbits went through some bad stuff. I was afraid of witchcraft. <laughs> when you get right down to it, you just get past a certain age and you're like, no, I'm not afraid of that anymore because it doesn't really make any sense. You get past that certain age, and then you start dabbling. <laughs> In the yeah. Yeah. Like, actually. I mean, for me, does it bring mine to some sort of conclusion? I think in the end, I'm actually a little bit grateful for the experience Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I have a really weird, spooky knowledge of stuff and I enjoy it as weird as it sounds. It can actually help you confront issues that are a little bit more difficult to deal with. Whether or not you believe in them, at least for me, is like, what is the purpose of this painting? Mm -hmm. And it was people trying to work through something or understand something or tell the story of their belief system or whatever. For instance... I did really well in high school English whenever there was any sort of religious imagery. Mm. I think it was Beloved and there's a scene where she goes picking blackberries and my poor English teacher was like, what is the blackberries? What is the blackberries? They're pricking your body. What's going on? And finally I'm like, duh people, it's a crowd of thorns. <laughs> what is wrong with you all? You learned the language. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So in a lot of ways I'm thankful for it. When you come out of the other end. Thank you, Foy. That's a beautiful way of putting it, is that it does sort of teach you that language. And when I'll watch things like American Gods and I'll be like, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so. Oh, yeah, yeah, I see what he did there. There is this level of enjoyment and kind of makes you feel a little smart in some ways. The one situation and your other fear reminded me of it 
where I don't recommend going back and revisiting something that scared you as a child is if that's a positive memory. If your feeling on it was, this was so awesome, it was so scary. Oh, it it might have been better if you had never seen that Large Marge segment nah. and just had it in your head as I love this it, horrifying though. thing. No, it, it's still fun. I love it in fun, this other but, way, yeah. But for me, again, in college... I would pretty much watch anything animated in college. So my then boyfriend, now husband, and I, for some reason, rented the Care Bears movie. And the one thing I could remember about that was, oh, there's this really scary head in a book. There's this book you open up, and there's this face inside it. It's really scary. Well, that's one of those things that just does not hold up. Along with the entirety of the Care Bears movie. So if you've got something that's your awesome scary thing from childhood, it's often best to just leave that alone and have whatever is built up in your head instead of the real thing, which is nowhere near as scary and awesome. Typically if your monkey is tiny. I thought you were huge. The monkey's scary because of its eldritch powers. (laughs) (laughs) It's just giant. But I don't know. I suspect that the Wiz probably still has some moments that hold up as scary. It absolutely does. So, ladies, I'm going to go and Google all this weird stuff about saints and put pictures up with our podcast. I think we definitely have some good imagery to be sharing for this podcast. Right. So if you're listening now, don't forget to check that out. And I didn't grow up with it, but with some of the saint martyrdom imagery I've seen, it's a wonder there are children who aren't traumatized by some sort of religious iconography at some point in their lives. And with that, and if any of our listeners have listened to this and heard some ideas that they want us to talk about in future podcasts, please feel free to reach out. Our email address is ladiesofkamikaze at gmail.com, and you can find all of our information on our website, too. Thanks for listening, and good night. Hi, everyone. Valerie here. And on behalf of all of the ladies of Kamikaze, we'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast. If you like what you heard and you're interested in checking out more of our content, you can visit us online at ladiesofkamikaze.com. There you can read our blog, sign up for our newsletter, and if you're in the Boston area, learn how you can join us for our various events, including LadiesCon. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again, and hope you join us next time.